And welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams with Ford Taylor. Ford, we have the pleasure of a part two from John W. Stevenson. He was amazing when he was here. It was all, it was so good, and it's always so good to be with John anyway. So to be able to do part two is just, it's just an extra treat. All right, let's get to it. Let's do it. Ford has always encouraged me to, in family and in business, to always stay at the table. If you don't stay at the table, um, negativity can creep in. When you hear the term one nation under God, and while that was written by our founding fathers, and they're taking some heat recently, um, some deserve, some not, uh, they were living in a time totally different than we're in right now. But I think uh, those words are timeless, one nation under God. How does that make you feel now when you, when you hear that? And two-part question, what do you say to the people that say this is never going to change, this is who we are, this is the way it's always going to be? Ford, we'll start with you. Okay, wow. <laughs> Do I believe this nation was originally founded with the premise of that, that belief system? I do believe that. But there's so many things that we've done as humans in our fallen nature that that is not what we walked out. You know, I grew up in Texas. So I, I've got that language barrier thing going on, too. I mean, like I, you know, English is my second language, okay, because <laughs> I teach, I taught Texan. But 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 I remember growing up, I always rooted for the Cowboys and the Cowboy and Indian movies. Once my heart mm. changed and my mm. mind changed, I went, hang on. We stole their land. It was theirs. And we took it from them. Well, most white people don't have that perspective. And so we always put ourselves in the position of we're the heroes. And so... I think if you say one nation under God, as long as the white culture exists, then I'd say, you know what? That's probably how most people feel, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so when you, when you look back at those founding fathers who founded our country, it, you know, the very fact that we call them our Christian founding fathers, there's where the problem lies. They mm-hmm. were our governmental founding fathers. And we as people, government, Christians, non-Christians, we make mistakes. And one of the biggest mistakes that we made in the foundation of our country is we said all men are equal, and we didn't treat all men equal. Mm-hmm. And so when you say we're all equal and we have the same rights, mm-hmm. and then you put laws in place mm-hmm. that say you can, you can kidnap, you can tax, you can whip, you can beat, you can rape, and it's legal because those are not equal because of the color of their skin. And so when you do that, and you can't come back later and acknowledge that that was a terrible time in our history in America. It was a bad part of our history. It is part of our history, but it was a bad part. Mm-hmm. But if you can't acknowledge that and speak the truth around it, then what happens you make statements like, hey, John, let's go back to a time in history when our founding fathers had us as a more godly nation mm-hmm. than we are today. Hey, John, let's go back to a time 
when people that looked like me were legally murdering people like you. And let's call that more godly. In other words, I don't think we realize that when we make those comments, the pain it comes, as we talked about earlier, we, we not only do that, we memorialize it. Yes. You know, we take the, con- and, and I shared this earlier, and I'm going to say it again because it's so pertinent to what we're talking about. But if you take the worst time in your own personal history, and my worst time in my mm. personal history is when I cheated on my wife, I can't imagine every morning her waking up and walking out of the bedroom and into the living room and having to look at pictures all over the wall mm. with the women that I cheated with. Or getting in her car and driving around throughout the country and seeing statues of me memorializing the women that I cheated with and not talking about the pain that that caused. I would not do that to her. That, that would be an unfair thing. Well, why is it so hard for us as white people to acknowledge mm-hmm. that? I mean, can we say we have the best country on earth? I've visited a bunch of countries, <laughs> a bunch of them. Yeah. I got news for you. For all y'all that don't think we have the best country on earth, come travel with John and me. Yeah. You will change your perspective. But do we have major problems? And have we since the beginning? A hundred percent. Absolutely. But we got to acknowledge the issues, the problems, and, and deal with those with solutions, not anger, because there are solutions. But there are things we have to do to make those solutions. So it's time to stop memorializing the worst time of our history mm-hmm. and making it a memorial without saying it's the worst time of our history so we can fix these solutions. That's, that's great for it. Until we're willing to do that, and, and for me, again, you know, racism just didn't start with America, and we know that. It's all over, man. It, it, but, and, and it goes all the way back, you know, with, with Jesus and at the woman at the well in John 4. She was Samaritan. You shouldn't be talking to me because she was a Samaritan. Uh, Peter in Acts uh, 9 and 10 with Cornelius going to Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile. Peter's a Jew. He's not supposed to be there. That dynamic is there. But the key of what Ford was saying, that is a missing element right now. And what has so many people doing the things they're doing is there are, there are not those in power, positions of authority, who are willing to admit, willing to acknowledge that time was not good. And these are the reasons why. And when we're not willing to uh, embrace the truth, speak the truth, it's like what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders of his time when he was talking to a group about, I've come that some might see, the religious leaders are saying, well, we're not blind too, are we? And, and, and Jesus says, well, because you say that you can see, your sin will always be with you. Because the, what he's saying is, as long as you keep saying you're okay, you're not going to get the help that you need. But those who are willing to admit, I can't see this. I need you to help me see this. When we look at the founding fathers all we have to do is look at it for what it really was that's all not not try to make excuses about it uh but but say this this was not a good time and i like ford yes have traveled the world and i'm gonna tell you the first time that i left uh the united states 
My first trip was to Russia. Okay. And I'm telling you, when I got back, the first thing I wanted to do when I got off that plane was kiss the ground. And thank God that I live in the United States of America with all of the challenges that we have. But we've hit this defining moment, unlike any other time, where there is this opportunity for the more calmer voices who, who have a, a, allowed a work to happen in their hearts. Because you see, in my years of having the opportunity to do diversity consulting, and I'm talking about with major corporations and different things, you always have a group of people, some sit there, and they're just wanting to get through the moment. Just get me through this day and a half. I'm done with this. Others get really open to wanting to understand, you know, what is it we really need to be doing here and the changes that we need to make. But if there's not the willingness to look at our nation, look at the conditions, and then be able to point to the things that are keeping us in this cycle and say, we've got, we've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with this. And so some of those, some of the different statues and, and monuments, they are idols and they represent a time that was not good for a certain population of people. And, and there has to be, in the scriptures, God said, look, you need to go into the land, the land is yours, but you need to go up into those high places, pull down those idols, pull down those images, because those things represent something that, that's not a part of you. And so... I can't get excited about going back to the days of the, found, uh, the founding fathers because what was a part of that was not good for people of color. And, and, and as was stated, you know, there, there were laws in place that allowed that to happen. And thank God for the changes and, and of course, the whole civil rights movement. But the challenge with that, PW, is laws are set in place to govern behavior, not change hearts. And so people break the law every day. And that's part of what we're seeing as well. And so I'm, I'm believing and wanting to be a part of that, that deeper transformative level because I've sat in too many sessions of sharing the information. It's here in the head but it never translates to something in the heart that says from now on, I'm going to live my life a little differently as it relates to, to other people. When we look over history, even the times when blacks were uh, coming together and were having some level of success or prosperity, you know, you can look at Tulsa back in 1921, mm. uh, black wall street. And, and you see there how that through one act, Whites came in and totally demolished the entire town. Historically, they're saying, we don't know how many blacks were killed. We don't know how many blacks were murdered. We don't even know where they're buried. And so, and so all of that part of history wiped out. Wiped out. One gentleman said, uh, I, I watched you know, different things like most of us. One gentleman said he had never even heard about that in history. He's in, a, he's in another class. He's telling the professor who's talking about that says, no, that never happened in Tulsa. I'm from Tulsa. That never happened. And, and he's saying, no, you need to know this is part of history. And so it's, it's that kind of, of controlling the narrative, uh, rewriting history or eliminating history. And many, many blacks are not angry. They're passionate. But the dynamic we deal with as blacks when dealing with whites, 
and I know this again because of my travels and things, that, that I can be in a setting and be passionate and it's perceived as he's an angry black man when that's not the case. I can be in a setting and very confident in who I am and he's an arrogant black man. But for the white person, they're just confident. But for the black man, he's arrogant. It's those kind of dynamics that, that have found their way down through the ages as well. And we as people of color continually work on how to navigate through it to get to where we believe we have a right to be. Yeah, and P.W., if people could hear what John just said, I, I'm going to give you an example. Um, where I went to university, there's a statue there of one of our former presidents. And he was a, a big Confederate soldier. Consequently, they want the statue taken down. Now, there's nothing on the statue about him being a Confederate soldier. Okay? But what would happen if they, if they dug deeper into this particular man's life? And I wonder how many other people this happened to. How many of our founding fathers that maybe something shifted in their heart? Mm -hmm. How many of those Confederate generals, something shifted in their heart afterwards? Because this particular man became the president of our university and another one, and there was a black one and a white one. And he became one of the biggest advocates of his day for being able to bring better, higher education to the black community. Yet they want to rip his statue down. And to me, we ought to be saying, hold it. What happened to this man that he changed from leading the charge mm -hmm. to leading the charge? It's I mean, good. we ought to be. So if we came around the table and really went for the truth, you'd say, you know what? That might be one we don't want to take down. We might want to talk about what he did after. I'm not saying that's what we want to do. But you may want to say, why don't we talk about it? Here's a man who had a change of heart. And he went from defending something that was wrong to defending something that was right. But instead, it's no, just because he was a Confederate general or in the Army, he was a hero, we rip it down. I'm, I'm just saying, what if we came around those truths with peace and say, hang on, some of those guys, they might have had a change of heart. I know I did. Yes. And so what if that happened and, and we start talking and touting the truth instead of trying to perpetuate the lie? Because I think it happens on both ends by the two extremes. And what we're trying to say is most of us don't live in the two extremes. We buy into it because I think we feel like we're not given another choice. But we're saying we do have another choice. I'm not speechless very often, but I'm speechless right now. There's so much to process. Um, <laughs> I ran into a gentleman that I competed against uh, on the basketball court. Uh, a man of color, highly regarded in our city. and this was recently, so my hippocampus is different today than it was 30 days ago. There's been so much uh, that I've had to process. And he embraced me and I embraced him. It wasn't awkward at all, um, but it made me feel uncomfortable because when I was speaking with him, he was saying yes, sir, and no, sir, to me. Mm. And I didn't have the relationship right? But I wanted to say, you don't need to address, like, we're the same age. We graduated the same year. We, com we competed mm -hmm. on the same hardwood court. 
But obviously, there's some things uh, in his world or or in his life that has happened where he felt like he needed to address me that way. And it, as I see this dynamic, um, again, I didn't have the relationship at that moment to speak into his life and to say, mm-hmm. "We're good. We're the same. We're the same." It's not, sir. It's not, mm-hmm. yes, sir, no, sir. Um, I probably didn't articulate that very well but uh man i feel like yes john go ahead i wanted to speak to something ford was was saying and and uh and it ties in with what you're saying as well and that is if we're not careful we will we will um address things today out of things of the past without the consideration of the transformation or the change that's taken place. We do, we do anybody a disservice to hold to a time in one's life and, and think that they're never anything other than that. The challenge is the memorializing or the, the statue or whatever and what it means to different people. But what Ford said is, is, is powerful because what we've got to get to is the truth and the whole story. That's what the truth, the whole story, and the real history. Um, that allows us to be able to, one, be able to address the wrongs, but appreciate the rights. And to be able to recognize this man lived his life this way. But at some point, he had whatever type of of conversion, uh, transformation, or or just started to think differently, act differently, do differently. And we all want that. We all should want that because none of us are perfect. And so these are the kinds of things that, that Ford and I are committed to dialoguing about and helping others understand when we can do that, we give ourselves a better chance of coming up with lasting solutions. Now, what you were saying about the gentleman who was saying, yes, sir, to you, um, he's, he's relating to you out of what our culture has produced. And it is, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And so in, in our society today, in, in many settings, be it entertainment, you know, you can be watching different movies and things, and you always find certain roles that are given to blacks and other roles given to whites. And we look at that as entertainment, but at the same time, it's putting mental models in our mind that cause us to think, okay, so this is the way it is. And so in, in the home of, 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 of some white settings, they're watching the same programs. So they're being programmed to live out life a certain way. And you've got blacks who may be watching same program or similar programs, and they're being programmed to operate out of that. So, we're, so we've kind of got this uphill kind of thing that we have to deal with because it's everywhere. So I'm, I'm not surprised. I don't know the gentleman you're talking about, but somewhere in either his upbringing or, or in that which has been put before him, he feels like that's the way he should relate to you. 
um, yes, sir, no, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm 10 years older than you, so you can say yes, sir, to me if you want to. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but, Are you but, really 10 years older than me? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Don't we look like we're the same age? Actually, you don't. I know we don't. Mm-hmm. I know we don't. You Not said even always bring 100% of the truth. You can tell the truth. Well, you, I know we don't. You, you said you're are. 53, correct? Yes, yeah, I turn 63 right. next Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> she's looking at me and looking at you go these guys are both 63 come on yeah we're not as much twins as you like to think no um so you know pw i was thinking about this aspect recently and again because uh i'm a man of faith and, and that's one of my assignment my assignment is kingdom i say my assignment is to make his kingdom our reality that's the assignment one of the things that is, is really, really, really important is that we recognize if we can get to the heart of the matter, then we can then see lives transformed. The, the scriptures speak that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. I think one of the ways that, or one of the, First and foremost, our role is to reconcile individuals to God. He does the reconciling to each other. Let me, let me say that again, okay? I can't, I don't have the ability to bring about reconciliation between blacks and whites. Because at its core, it's a heart issue. Now, can I be a part of the process? But ultimately, ultimately, it's a work that takes place that only God can do in the hearts of any of us that then at best give opportunity for the reconciliation of one another. That's why when Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love you have one to another. And that's, that's the key with, with Ford and I and others as well. It's the love that we have for and to one another that, that allows us to walk in the level and the depth of relationship that we're in. And that's a missing, that's a missing piece. So, you know, are we going to see today where everybody's holding hands and singing whatever song we want to sing? I don't know. But I do know as part of the kingdom of God that my responsibility is to, is to help, help provide opportunity for as many as possible to come into that place in order to, one, be reconciled to God. Secondly, reconciled to one another. That's good. Ford, as we wrap, um, I'm going to put you both on the spot. There's six people, let's call them young people in a room, three white, three black. Uh, you've pulled them both out of different sides of the protest. And you both have been brought in to, you got five minutes and you got to split the five minutes. You don't have time to chat about what you're going to talk about, but you understand the, the enormity of the situation. I'd like to hear your, your advice, your coaching, your teaching to the six people in the room. Who um, 
are not seeing each other as one human race. Wow. Yeah, you did. You put us on the spot. Um, again, having, having been in various settings, I think that I would approach it from a very simple space that those six people, be it three white, three black, you breathe the same air, you bleed the same blood. While your experiences may be different, at the end of the day, each of you only have one life to live. And every choice you make has consequences. And you have the opportunity to be a part of making this world better. And you have the opportunity of making this world worse. I choose to believe that you're here to make this world better. And while you have been raised in different environments, at the end of the day, what it really is going to come down to is what you are willing to lay down for the sake of someone else. And if you can find that place and recognize that the only way things will get better is when we are willing do our part to make it better and everyone will benefit from it. That's awesome. Um, uh, that's why I would let him go first uh, because he's so, John's just so profound and I probably would look at him and I'd probably look at the three white people and I'd probably start off with something like this. You know, I'm a Texan, I'm from Texas and I'm proud of where I'm from but I'm not proud of some of the things that we've done. I'm an American and I'm proud of being American but I'm not proud of some of the things that we've done. And I probably say to them that you probably won't like what I'm about to say, but statistically speaking, because I'm over six foot one, had blonde hair and blue eyes, I had an advantage that the people you're sitting across from the room from that they didn't have. And years ago, I decided to quit using that advantage for my own profitability and use that advantage to make a difference. And I would encourage you to take the color of your skin and use that make a difference and I would look at the people across the aisle and say you know my generations and generations before us have made a lot of mistakes and we got you believing that a lot of our, our mistakes were actually not mistakes we got you all believing that I would encourage you to see that just maybe those people sitting across from you that if you got to see their hearts and if they got to see your hearts you might find that what we've got going on and led you to believe you may find out it's not true. And for past generations, we've made a lot of mistakes. But I want you to know that if, if you, if we keep thinking the way we've always thought, mm-hmm. we're going to keep feeling the way we've always felt. And if we keep feeling the way we've always felt, mm-hmm. we're going to keep behaving the way we've always behaved. And if we keep behaving the way we've always behaved, we're going to keep getting the same results we've always gotten. Mm-hmm. So might you lead a generation that might change the way you think, change the way you feel, change the way you behave, and bring hope to our country. And I'd say to them, so John and I are going to leave now. We're going to go have lunch. And I want you all to take five minutes each, and I want you to share your story. Yeah. I want, I want you to share why you're in the room. I want you to share who you are, what you do, your story. And you can take between five and ten minutes. We're going to have a sandwich, and we're going to come back in an hour, 
And we want to hear what you learned about each other. Because, see, it's your generation that's either going to bring hope mm-hmm. or failure to this nation. But learn from the mistakes we've made and don't make them again. Well, thank you both for taking that. Uh, I threw that in. <laughs> wasn't <laughs> planning on asking that, but I felt uh, there had to be a teaching moment uh, at the end of this. Board, as you always do, uh, you help us get lit. We usually go out with a bang, but uh, I feel with this one, um, uh, we do have hope. There is hope. We are, as as believers, we know how the story ends. Yes, uh, and that's what um, allows me to to think that this is a season we're in uh, that the sober voices will soon be heard. Um, my prayer is that our media can find those sober voices and remove themselves from the narrative and, and let the, and let the wisdom uh, of the sober thinkers come forward or take us home. Yeah. So if you're interested in uh, this, is the first time I've said this on the podcast, but if you're interested, consider going to FordTaylor.com. Look at the vision. You know, what would happen if we had leaders who could make leaders who would make leaders who would make leaders that we could teach, train, and equip with the truth, yes. tools, ingredients, and behaviors that would have an impact on individuals, organizations, and who knows, maybe even cities and countries. What if we were willing to do things that others may not be willing to do, to learn to love unconditionally, forgive unconditionally, and walk in dangerous transparency? Mm-hmm. Could we together get lit? Because... <laughs> A transformational leader, John W. Stevenson, a change agent, a transformational leader, mm-hmm. a man who understands what lit means mm-hmm. to love in a way that we care more about those that follow us than we care about what they think about us. Mm-hmm. And from that place of doing things together, have influence beyond anything we possibly imagined. Yes. That we would influence up to our leaders, influence across to our peers influence down to those who follow us and ultimately be able to have influence ourselves on ourselves because we care enough to speak into each other's lives. And from that place, might we have more influence with God? And if that happened, Mm -hmm. love, influence, might it lead to that word that John talked about, metamorphosis, metamorphosis, Mm -hmm. transformation, that we truly could become something different as individuals as organizations, cities, and nations than we are today. P.W., you know I'm doing this because I believe that's possible. I have not given up on our country or our world. Amen. So I encourage you, if you're listening, that you might be a part with some of us who want to make a difference in a positive way that might impact our nation. So think about it. Do you want to? If so, join us and let's get lit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com.